I'm Katie Steinberg, and welcome back to Game Changers. Today, we have Casey Schwab, the CEO of Altius Sports Partners, visiting us, or <laughs> on as our guest here today. <laughs> Casey, I know you're in Oregon. How's it going over there? That's great. It's great. Um, uh, thank you for having me, and I am um, on another campus. I spend a lot of time on campuses, and behind <laughs> me, you can see the Oregon State Beavers football stadium. You can kind of see it. They have a renovation, renovation going on right across the football stadium <laughs> right behind me. <laughs> We're really getting a full tour here. <laughs> um, all right. So as we gear up for the first NFL draft post nil, have there been any differences in how players have determined whether they should leave early? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't, my answer is I don't think so in terms of the NFL of players deciding whether they leave or go. I do think that there are, um, it, you know, name, image, and likeness rules changes have impacted um, players, college football players at the highest level coming into the NFL. Um, and as you know, my, my background is mostly in the NFL world from NFL Network and Fox Sports and then, and then the NFL Players Association. So it's interesting having this new vantage point with what we're doing at Altheus on campuses like this one and working with um, all the athletes, but, you know, to your question, the football players. And we're working with Oregon State, we're working with Georgia, LSU, Texas. So we're working with a lot of players who will be in that situation you just mentioned. Um, I, I think, like, look, playing in the NFL is the main thing. And what what I say, what our team says to, when we get in front of any of these football teams is, hey, NIL is great. We're here to help you maximize your name, image, and likeness opportunities but keep the main thing, the main thing. And then I say to them, literally the teams, what's the main thing. And then they say, make it to the league. Exactly. Make it to the league. Cause 30 million bucks. When you get into the league, your first rounder is a lot more than whatever you're going to make in an aisle. However, however, it's really important. And we work with a lot of these college football players right now to help navigate the deals that they're doing and the potential implications they may have when they go into the league. I think that's really, really important. If you think about like, league and, and PA exclusive categ categories and partners and, and, and even some, some, and I've seen ridiculous contracts put in front of college football players that are, have tail ends with residuals when they go into the league, you know, totally. like that definitely, definitely impact. Uh, let me say it this way. Name, image, and likeness rules changes have definitely impacted the combine, the draft and, and guys going into the league. As you mentioned before, so a mission that your company has is to empower athletes. So how would you say NIL has led to a power shift in the college landscape? Yeah, um, we, we, we approach it from a different perspective than a lot of folks. Um, as I mentioned, you know, my, my past life was working with NFL players. And one of the, the things that I saw often was, you know, NFL players and now college athletes, um, they have a lot of people around them. But from an institutional perspective, and, and, and that's, you know, could in, in the league, it could be the PA is, a, is an institution, right? The teams, the league, um, from an institutional perspective, what kind of resources do they have? Uh, and so we, we at Altius, we are working directly with athletics departments, with universities, getting paid by them instead of getting paid by the athletes. And, and the, reason, the reason we do that um, is because we feel like, we can be more objective. And when it comes to advisory, guidance, education, um, we can be a lot more liberal in what we're saying if we're not conflicted and we're not, you know, 
looking at this from, well, I get 10 or 15% of this deal. It may not be best for the athlete, but it's good for me. There, there, there's none of that for us. Um, and let me just say too, we're working with all the athletes at the campuses or on the campuses that we're at. So it's not just the football players and it's not just the men's basketball players in college. It's, it's everybody from the rowers to, in fact, there's the, the Oregon State wrestling team is right out there with one yeah. of our members right now. Um, <laughs> and, and it's interesting. And I say that because if you think about the economics of endorsement deals, NIL deals, um, it, they're just not going to be high enough to demand agents, managers, lawyers, financial advisors for everybody to take a cut like it is in the league because in the yeah. NFL or the NBA. Right. So if you think about that, okay, takes the next step is who's going, who, who are they going to turn to? Who are the college athletes going to turn to when they have a question about a deal? If it's a $50 deal or a $5,000 deal, well, they're going to go to their coach or they're going to go to their academic advisor. They're going to go to somebody on campus. And that's where we come in is serving as a resource for these athletes, serving as a resource for their parents, heck for their, for their agents. We, we, we work with their agents and we're not taking a cut, but we, we are paid by the athletics director, you know, the, the, the department to say, hey, where can we best help to empower your athletes to maximize their opportunities in a compliant way? Are there any parties that are trying to make sure athletes don't have all the education that they would need to make a decision on nils? Or how should athletic departments be educating their athletes? Well, I don't, what, was the, what was the first question? I have, a, I have an answer for the second one. How do you say it? <laughs> it was interesting. So like, would you say that there are any parties that are trying to make sure that athletes don't necessarily have all the education they would need to make a decision on nils? That's interesting. Um, yeah. You mean like like bad actors? <laughs> I mean, it kind of anyone. It's like up for interpretation, I guess. But yeah, I mean, just <laughs> if, if there's if there's someone out there that doesn't want college athletes to understand the deals that they're getting into, I would categorically call that person or those people bad actors. Cause like you, you, you got to understand what you're getting into. It's no different than, you know, me, you, um, my, my dad, who was a plumber, like it doesn't matter what you do when you agree to do a, provide a service or your intellectual property, or you agree to do something, it, it, you should know what you're getting into. So like, and I don't know, I don't know if you had a party in mind, but, I don't I hope, look, there are there are there are there are bad guys, bad, bad guys, bad gals out there. What I'm more worried about, Katie, is, is I'm more worried about the aspiring marketing agent, the aspiring sports lawyer. And, and, and this is not meant to be at one point. I was an aspiring every, all of those things. Yeah. Like, like young lawyer and, and, and didn't got to start somewhere. Totally. You gotta start somewhere. I get that. However, the problem is when you're aspiring you don't have the experience necessary to know what's right and wrong to, 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 to navigate or to um, uh, um, advise these athletes. And we've seen a lot of moms, dads, cousin, friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, who they say, they say, Hey, oh yeah, we can help you with these NIL deals. Yeah, we're going to get some deals for you, bro. And it's like, well, well, hold on, hold on. Have you ever worked in sports. Have you ever done? Yeah, you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so we had one school, one school. So, so there are disclosure requirements, right? Of the deals and the agents. One school, um, a very prominent school, they had this disclosure thing for any, any marketing rep that's going to be repping one of their, play, one of their athletes. The very first one that came in, 
Okay. This was right before July 1st. The very first one that came in, the first question was about the agent. Have you ever worked in sports? The answer was no. What? And then it was, um, what field do you work in? And, and it was like a, a text box you could fill in. And it was an almond farmer. Okay. Sure <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm sure almond farmer. And it happened. And then it was like, what was your relationship to the athlete? And it was like, you know, family friend. And I'm sure this individual was a good person. Probably. I don't know. But an almond farmer is not the same as a marketing agent for a, a college athlete. Yeah. Right. Like, so they're just, anyway. Almonds so, and athletes, right. are, I mean, they're good to eat, but. I mean, I went on a tangent. And the second question that you asked is, um, oh. which athletic departments are educating? Yeah. Or how should athletic departments be educating their athletes? Yeah. Um, offensively and defensively. Uh, the offense is important. So, um, and that's, and that's you know, whether it's with us or with another third party or whether you do it internally, this isn't like an ad for Ultius, but like you want to be, uh, you want to get out in front of this and talk to your athletes. You want them to hear from you. you. You want them to feel like they're supported, like they have resources for the defense, which is on a Tuesday night at midnight when an athlete gets a DM, he or she should have a resource of a place to call or somebody to call and to go like, Hey, should I do this? Is this good? Like, you know, so by having, the, what's that? They need help. <laughs> yeah, by having the offense, the education out front, you, you create this uh, relationship or this environment in which when the deal comes in or an offer comes in, or there's a viral moment and the athlete blows up, well, he or she like has a resource at that point because it's too late to do it later because they're, they're probably going to just go like, ah, I don't know. All right, cool, man. I'll do this deal. And, and then they walk themselves into a buzzsaw, but they don't have a place to go and ask questions. Yeah, completely. Would you say there's a gap on the demand side of the nil equation? And then how is your company, not trying to make it be an ad, but <laughs> how is your company helping bridge the gap between companies and athletes? Look, here's, here's the thing. Um, I say this with love to all of the athletes that we work with. Um, they're busy and they want things to be easy. They want it to be like a click of the button. And I'm not that old, but so I'm, I'm about to sound like an old guy, but like the generation currently of college athletes, they, they, they grew up with phones, smartphones. They grew up with, you know, uh, Twitter. I'm, I was about to say Facebook. Jeez. They, they didn't grow up with Facebook. Um, but, but, but like, they want things to be really, really easy. And, and as you know, um, doing these deals is not easy. It's not, it's not a click of the button. Now, some of them are, and there are apps out there that help them. And that those are great. Fully support those. But for the most part, these are activations. And, and literally the word, we used to use this at the NFLPA, like the word is activations. Well, what does that imply? It implies activity. And it implies like hand-to-hand, -hand, like combat, for lack of a better metaphor, like folks working together. And it requires having a conversation about what services do you want me to provide and, and how much am I going to get paid, which is the easy part. Um, what's the back end? And, and all of this like human interaction um, is hard and it takes time. So to your question, I think there, if you, if you sent out a survey to every single college athlete in the country and said, do you want to do an NIL deal? Just do you want to do one? I think most of them are going to say, yeah, of course, that's great. And then the next question is, are you willing to put in, you know, let's call it 10 hours per deal or eight hours, nine hours, eight hours. And I think that number will go down drastically. Okay. And I, and that my, I answer the question that way because I do think that there's a, 
um, imbalance of like athletes wanting to be in this space and mm -hmm. brands wanting to be in the space, you know, like the supply versus the demand to your question. But I think th the demand would be higher if the supply side, the athletes were empowered. And this is where we come in. Here's the ad part. We're empowered to, how do you have a conversation with a brand that you want to work with? Yeah. Right. Like we have, we have like, we, we, we literally sit uh, last night, we were in at, with an athlete here um, and I don't want to share too much, but our account executive came back and we were, we were having dinner at, and she was so excited that she met with an athlete um, who has a, um, has a, has a um, physical, physical disability, who she was so excited to get into this space to support other younger athletes who have the same disability. And, and, and where our account executive and our team got her number, they were texting last night when we were at dinner about how we're going to do this. How, you know, here, here's an email template that you can send. It was, it was awesome. And like, that's, that's how they get into the space as opposed to like just sitting there and waiting for, you know, you name it, a hospital, a coffee shop, a surf shop, um, Lululemon, Nike, Pepsi, whatever to call you. That's not going to happen. It's only going to happen for the elite of the elite athletes on the field. It's not even like the 1%. It's like the 0.01. <laughs> yeah, like, um, you know, Bryce Young got a deal, the Alabama quarterback with Dr. Pepper, I believe. And like, that's a more traditional, like he, he, he's a stud, he's a superstar. And like, so there's, there's like three categories, right? The first category is, are the, are the, um, on the field, on the court, in the pool, the people, the, the athletes that are just like the best of the best. Right. And that's more traditional marketing. And that's great. Then there's this, this category of the social media superstars. Many yeah. of them have their followings independent of being an athlete. And should they be able to monetize it? Absolutely. That's great. And then there's the, th the third bucket, which makes up the majority of the athletes, which is they don't really fall into either of those two buckets, but they're interested in being in an aisle. And that's where you got to get creative. And that's where um, education, advisory work, whatever you want to call what, what we do or what other schools are doing on their own, frankly, and some of them are doing a good job of helping them get out there and market themselves and be a part of this. Would you, so would you say that most of your clients more fall into the third bucket or would you say... Well, first of all, so so just to be hyper technical, so our clients are the schools, but yes. the athletes okay. at our schools, um, yes, most most at our schools and every school. I mean, it's just it's just a matter it's a, a matter of like uh, sheer numbers of you know. There's only a best rower. There's only one, and then there's only one best football player. There's only one, right? So that first category is is limited just by sheer. You can only there's only if you're not first, you're last, something like that. Place is the first loser. I don't know. You can tell I was an athlete. Um, and then, and then there's the second bucket of like social media influencers, and there aren't that many of them. And and I think both of those categories are great. But where we come in is really helping the large majority of the athletes that don't fall into either of those categories. I think it's great. Um, gotta ask you. So March Madness. Um, how would you say how will a Cinderella team in March Madness? be able to capitalize on their 15 minutes of fame in a new way? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, being prepared in advance would be the answer to my question. Um, meaning, and, and it's hard, right? Because you don't know in advance if you're going to be the Cinderella team, like you're 14 seed and you make it, right? Um, but I say that because capitalizing on a moment, a, a viral moment, um, 
needs to happen very quickly after it happens, right? So we've seen a few examples of this throughout the season. I do think it'll happen in March Madness, but I but but I think that the athletes that are understand what NIL is and what it is not. Um, maybe they don't have any deals, but I at least understand what it is and what it is not, and understanding how, what are different ways to capitalize on this if that moment happens. Um, another another example is group licensing. So group licensing is now being rolled out across campuses um, with athletes in this space, which is great. I think it's a good thing for the market. Um, you have jerseys, you have trading cards, you have video games, you have other categories, right? Like bobbleheads, t-shirts, whatever. And, and the way group licensing works in all the professional leagues is athletes sign up at the beginning of the year or they sign up, you know, for a three-year whatever term and, and they're part of a program. And then there's a third party entity that's not us, by the way. There are other entities out there that do this, that they go out and they sell products. Well, what better way to prepare yourself for that viral moment than to be educated on group licensing, to be a part of a group licensing program for if and when that happens? Well, now it's just a royalty check. So I do think group licensing is a very good thing for the industry and it's a very good thing for the athletes for that very reason. So capitalizing on the moment and then group licensing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, <laughs> just to summarize, hot take. Who is your first seed pick for March Madness? Who, who's my what? Who's going to take it all for March Madness? <laughs> I mean, I'm a Badger, so I'm always going to say Wisconsin. Um, I'm look, saying, I'm go Michigan we, State. we love we we love all of our school partners equally. So oh I yeah, that is hard. <laughs> I can't pick any of them. Um, we had. Two, yeah, we had two, yeah, two of the the final four football teams, and we we love them all equally. Um, we've been working with Georgia a lot, and they won it. We were thrilled about that. Um, it was awesome. I spent a lot of time with those guys. I spent more time with the Georgia football team than I have spent with any other program. And those 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 kids, those guys are just they're awesome. Um, they're, they're great. But but to your question, I'm a Badger, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my hometown state and my alma mater. <laughs> Is Georgia secondary to that? Do you want it to be Georgia Georgia football, Georgia basketball year? I love Georgia basketball. Love Georgia basketball. But but look, I got to take the Badgers. And and look, the the Badgers are having a great season. So I I don't think – and then we've surprised everybody. And I still say we. (laughs) I always laugh about even if you didn't play, it's always we, you know? (laughs) It's always we. It's going to be we. You kidding me? I'm Wisconsin. The Badgers for life. The Badgers are the, um, I'm a Badgers fan too, but yes, Michigan State. If Michigan State wins, you will be hearing from me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we we should make a wager on that. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, Thank you so much for your time today, Casey. It was such a pleasure meeting you. And um, I look forward to hopefully working with you again in some point in the future. But um, you've been amazing and so insightful and um, really appreciate having you on. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun.